swagger, okay? Regardless of what happens out there, doesn't matter. Keep your swagger. Everybody, welcome to the Five Hole Fantasy Hockey Podcast. We're your hosts today, TJ, Zach, and Raj. Hey there. Hey, hey, hey. Today is part two of the fantasy hockey crash course. Just going over stuff, really. And things. Yeah, there's going to be some things for sure. Both of them. We're going to talk about like determining draft order, where to put your playoffs, roster construction. We're going to get into um, some unwritten rules, which actually might be pretty fun, like talking about vetoes and, and where they apply certain things that you're not supposed to do. Kind of just unwritten rules, something that Yahoo's not going to have in their rule book that is just kind of common knowledge for, for everybody. We're going to talk about resources. We're going to talk about... Uh, Prepping for your matchups, maximizing your roster, exploiting the schedule, streaming, player evaluation, trade evaluation, tons of stuff. So uh, let's get into it today. Day one of training camps. I don't know if you guys caught any of the news, but it's going to be cool. The things that we learned today. Trocheck is going to start on power play one. That's big. I'm a big fan of that. Last time he played under Gerard Gallant when he was on power play one, he was 75 point player with close to 30 power play points. That's freaking cool zach you're gonna love this sammy blay getting first crack at top line with Kreider and zabenejad wouldn't that be interesting because he hits and the, the shots can be there if he can just fall into some points ass backwards that'd be cool i was gonna say that he's gonna be out there banging it up you got uh vitaly kravtsov on line two with panarin and trocek kravtsov's in for a big year if that sticks and then they're keeping the kids together lafreniere heedle kako to start the season Vancouver Canucks, news. Miller, Pedersen, Horvat, those are your centers down the middle. Uh, so they're not going to do PD, you know, Miller and uh, Besser as a super line or what what have you. But uh, they have so many wings. Like this is the way that it makes sense. You have to you have to stack your centers and putting PD in the middle versus on the wing frees you up to have what do you got you got tanner pearson andre kuzmenko Ilya mishiev nils hoglander vasily pod colson connor garland like you guys have too many fucking wings so this is the way it makes sense a thick middle six right now there's it makes sense and when they need goals they will stack the top line right like if they're hurting for a goal they'll make a stack line but yeah they started doing that last year it makes way more sense now it is preseason don't forget yeah Lots of things are going to change here. This is what we know. Hoaglander gets just shuffled all over the lineup, and I hate it because I want him to get, you know, a prime spot, and he just gets moved around all the time. So, like, you want to pick him up, and I know I do. Like, I, you know, I always want to I look at him for streaming options, and sometimes he might be on the first line. Sometimes he's on the fourth. Like... <sighs> Well, what's nice is a lot of their wings are not getting drafted. Like, I'm not seeing Connor Garland getting drafted a bunch. I'm not seeing Hoglander, uh, Pod Colson, uh, Kuzmenko is like Raj. I've seen you draft him a shit ton, but uh, there's going to be streaming options. There's going to be a lot of them. Yeah, there's a, a lots of like last couple around streamer guys. The only thing that scares me about this whole situation is the dreaded even split on the power play. No, 
they can't they can't do it we had such like that was the one thing that the canucks have been really great at is stacking that top power play i hope they really do that again some other things we know uh connor garland is going to start at left wing i'm assuming inside the top six somewhere in colorado notice shushkin to start he's still uh dealing with an injury they have said that evan rodriguez and Newhook are going to get looks as the 2c they just picked up evan rodriguez for peanuts and he could be the second line center they said also it could be ranted in so things are gonna they're gonna experiment they're gonna see what works and if it's ranted in, i think nishushkin moves up to the top line that's gonna be badass like they they've still got options kadri losing him sucks but they can make it work and it's it's going to help somebody that's like lowly owned, and that's that's pretty exciting. Oh, I've drafted uh, Rodriguez in two leagues now as like the last pick. It's either whoever's left him or Kuzmenko I've been taking, and like no one's thinking about Rodriguez until you said that. Ruin my tricks. <laughs> that's a sneaky look, though. I like Evan Rodriguez on, on the Avalanche because he could move up in that lineup. You know they're not going to, you know, totally just shun Nachushkin or anything like that. But still, Evan Rodriguez is a player that can go out and score points, and we've seen it a lot. I know I've streamed him a ton of times in the past. Senators, they see Talbot Forsberg as a 1A slash 1B. So Ew. we'll see how that—that that could just be political. I'm still trying to convince myself that he'll see Talbot, that is, that he'll see volume. Domi is going to line up with Kane in Chicago. So there's that. That's a thing that might happen. And Braden Point is good to go. So that is our news. Let's hop into the uh, into the stuff. Roster construction, building a league. I think all of us, we like larger rosters than standard Yahoo allows. I think they go like two centers, two left wing, two right wing. It's either three or four D, and the bench is really small with two goalies and maybe a utility if, if you're lucky. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I like 4D. I like 5 bench. It gives you more flexibility. It makes you look at uh, um, like lesser-known players, and it's just, for me, it's all around fun. Let's talk about center, left wing, right wing versus forward, like breaking up your forward positions into positional. Like, what, what do you guys prefer? Broken up. Yeah, I think, and, you know, most people are going to say broken up. I feel as if, you know, when it's forward, defense, goalie, just cut and dry that's kind of you know i want to say kid shit but like i don't know when you're first starting out a league with a bunch of people that know little you know very little about fantasy hockey or even hockey in general when you have just people that are in your league that don't even really watch hockey that they're just in it to you know hang out or or, or do whatever it's a lot easier when you don't know the people's names. Just say, okay, forward and defense. That's what I need to go for. I think it's good for beginners. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's good for when you first start out. But then, you know, it it gives it a whole nother fold. And, and I think that that is a really good fold to have because making it that, that little bit extra, you know, especially because we always harp on the right wings. We always harp on the right wings. There are these tiers, if you will, you know, in each position. So, like, knowing what they are and knowing when to get people is a huge thing. If it's a 
a more casual league, like we're all fucking nerds, right? We're right into it. But if it's a casual league, I think forwards is better. And that's actually the one thing I disagreed with you guys on. I wasn't I wasn't here last week to uh, voice my opinion, but for beginning leagues, like in beginners, roto is way easier. The whole matchup thing and setting lineups, that's really confusing to new fantasy players. I have a roto league specifically for that reason. The trick, though, for a roto league, because the one thing that you said is a problem with roto leagues is like the first couple of seasons I ran that, I just beat the crap out of everybody because I'm totally obsessed with fantasy hockey. And so I just made moves every day when other people were like checking their lineups once a week. But the trick is to make a roto league work, you need to have a maximum number of moves. Right, yeah. That feels too intricate for a for a new beginner, you know? No, I I know 100% the other way. And what we've mm-hmm. always done is if it's a very beginner league, uh, 100 moves for the year. Everyone has 100 moves. But what that also does is to new people, Ooh. it gives everyone's like, "Oh, I should be making 100 moves this year." It just makes it more obvious. You definitely should. You know what I mean? Like if it's everyone make moves whenever you think it's right, well, then I don't know about fantasy hockey. I don't know what's right. For casual leagues, I've, at least in my experience, I found that works really well because then everyone's like, okay, I got 50 moves or 100 moves. That's how many I should be making. Fair enough. But you're totally right. If you leave it to be an open-ended roto league, then it's like whoever wakes up the earliest, the most wins, right? Whoever is on in the app, the most wins. Yeah. Uh, roster construction. I usually go between six and 10 forwards. Uh, it's either two or three of each center, left wing, right wing. If you're breaking it down just by forward, you can go, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, however you want. Four or five D is pretty comfy. I like four just because, you know, there's more in the waiver pool. It doesn't have you looking at, um, you know, kind of fringy guys. If you're in a 12 team league and five people are that's 60 defensemen. So, uh, that's tough. Generally, I like to have around 180 to 200 players drafted. So you're going to look at total roster size times the number of teams and, and figure out how many players are going to be owned. Uh, it keeps the waiver wire interesting. It doesn't take anything away from the players drafted. I think that's a, it's a pretty comfortable spot to be. Next topic is where to put your playoffs. You know, default just has you running up to the end of the season. And our advice, I think I can speak for everybody here um, and most people in the fantasy community, the vets, they're going to advise you to push the playoffs up a week. Do not count the last week of the season. In a lot of cases, you're going to find it's sometimes it's like four days long and your championship is determined on two games from all your star players or one even. So some cases it's going to be four or five days long. Other cases, you're going to find that teams that have already clinched the playoff spot or they're statistically eliminated. They start resting their players or send Dylan Larkin to go get a surgery because there's no chance of Detroit getting in the playoffs last year. So, you know, they, they get a head start on recovery time. You're pretty much at the mercy of the gods on that one. Um, you know, Evgeny Malkin often sits they're taking things from the NBA. They're just getting rested, getting ready for the playoffs or getting ready for the off season, getting a head start on their recovery as they should. Don't use that last week. You're introducing so much more luck into your championship, which should be a reflection of who has the best team and not who is the luckiest. So I like to number one, I like to make it two weeks long. So I'm moving up to playoffs two weeks and then pushing it back a week as well, just to get a better idea of, um, you know, who's, who's the most dominant team, 12 team, 14, eight, whatever. 
how do you guys feel about this? Like, let's say before I get into my spiel, it's a 12 team league. How many teams make the playoffs? Four, six. I like six too, with a with a buy on long. either side. Too too long. Six, exactly. That's why I was gonna say it because because yeah, each uh, each conference gets a buy. Too long. But it always happens where you know the person in the other conference just happens to be the best in that conference and they get a buy for nothing. And then there's one conference just duking it out. I feel like it's like that in almost every every league. Fourteen team league. How many teams should make the playoffs? Four. Four still? Four. You're a maniac. Four. Jesus. I mean, I was going to probably stick with six. At the worst time of year, you know, you're just dragging out the playoffs. I hate long playoffs. Too many rounds, that's just more time when mm-hmm. other people are inactive, you know? And it's more time for people to drop out. And, you know, that's just my opinion, obviously. But I just, I like two rounds. That's yeah, it. Yeah, but at the same time, when, when you have those buys, when you have those buys, you can, you know, kind of plan your, you can plan your playoffs accordingly. You know what I mean? Uh, you can pick somebody up that plays, you know, next Monday that you don't give a mm-hmm. shit about right yeah. now because you got to buy. So you can plan ahead and make your moves ahead of time. So that way it saves, you know, your pickups and you can that's already one that you don't need to worry about. It's just money in the bank. I feel like I like being able to plan accordingly. I like buys too. I get the the idea. I just, yeah, I just don't like more than two weeks of playoffs uh, all together. It just, like I said, you end up losing because you miss the last week as it is. Then you got a two week playoff for the last round. Then you got a week before that for that round, and then you got it. So now you're missing five, the last five weeks of hockey. To me, it just drags it on too long. Uh, that's my only downside to it. I, I when I have the buy. I enjoy the strategy behind it, but then I'm just sitting there itching, like watching other people play fantasy hockey when I want to be. I, I do like a buy. Um, the only point I was trying to make here is I don't like bottom half teams in the playoffs. So, like, if you're in a 14 team league and eight players make the playoffs, that's a bottom half mm-hmm. team that's making the playoffs. So that that would be my only preference. Like that that that's my only hard no. So whether it's top half, top third, uh, you know. Fine. So 12-team league, four four teams make the playoffs. This is a little more competitive. Six-team league, uh, you know, you just have to be in the top half. I like uh, to talk on what you were saying is, you know, people going inactive. Um, uh, if it's a league that you're staying together, like all the GMs, your group is staying together year over year, I like to incentivize the loser's bracket. So whoever wins the loser's bracket gets first overall next year. That way, people aren't going inactive. There's still a lot of waiver churning, and people are are still playing. Because if if you know you're not going to make the playoffs in like you know February, what's stopping you from going inactive then? So I do like to incentivize and just keep do as much as I can to keep people from logging out and logging off and just turning into a bye week. Uh, so that that was my thinking on that. I would definitely agree with that for for keeper leagues. But like in a redraft league, it's like in a redraft league, there's no incentive to try in the bottom half whatsoever. You know, that's the only thing with that for me. Because I want to always win. Yeah, some of us are just competitive. I want to always win. <laughs> I don't care. I see what you're saying. But you no, know, I totally agree for like, especially like dynasties or keepers where it's then, then you want to keep everyone going. But my only other thing that I hate 
when it happens to me is if you crush all year and then so the person who is sixth just squeaking into the playoffs beats you then it's the breaks it sucks but that's how the real playoffs are right like half the half the league gets in yeah and so it does mirror proper anybody can win yeah which i love when i'm the fifth person and i end up winning but if i'm like first or second and then somebody who is kind of like <sighs> half ass all year <laughs> pulls some wizardry it is more exciting i'll definitely give you that next up i got uh determining draft order now you can go with your default platforms random number generator that it'll uh that'll spit out for you we like to do things different we use uh this year we've been taking a liking to duck race so we live stream it on the discord and in our leagues and uh, everybody gets assigned a duck, and if your duck wins, then you get first overall, and then it kind of trickles down from there. Twelve ducks, twelve GMs represented by each duck, and uh, you just cheer for ducks. And it, dude, I'm telling you, it's it's twelve grown men just yelling at ducks. It's <laughs> it's fun. Awesome. Uh, Any way you want to do it, just make sure it's fair and it's random to start after a year. You know, if you're if you're bringing the GMs back, you can use the previous year standings to determine a manual order. That's why I like to incentivize the Losers bracket that way, you know, the best of the worst is getting one overall, not the worst of the worst who just kind of, uh, it also prevents tanking a little bit too. Like you still want to be competitive. Here's a fun one. Zach, I know you're a big fan of stacks. I don't know how Raj feels, uh, to be honest. I do like I'm stacks. in the middle of the road. There, you know, uh, the FHP guys, Brandon did it like a really good study on this. And he was just like, oh, you want to lower your variance? Um, and you you know if you have too many eggs in one basket if if that team gets shut out then now you have two players that are getting zero points and and it makes a ton of sense but it doesn't stop it from being fun like <laughs> it doesn't um and good luck trying to tell anybody last year that you know Johnny Gaudreau and Elias Lindholm is a bad stack because you're you know if when you get it right it's awesome and like, if you can get an elite stack, it, it gets silly when you're when you're stacking third line players. Like, if we're if we're talking about, um, you know, Philip Heedle and fucking Capocacco, if you're stacking those kind of guys yeah. just because you want to stack, then it gets a little weird. But if you're doing like, you know, Taylor Hall and you know David Pasternak, you, like you have a really strong stack. I, I like it because the boom is huge and the bust. I don't know. I, I rarely notice it. But it's just awesome when they when they connect for a goal or when, you know, it's just fun. So I, I don't mind it, but I just, I don't, I don't like to get too much. What, what's your guys' limit? So Zach, you're a fan of stacks. I want to get your take on stacks overall. And then I want to ask, like, do you go as far as to, you know, let's talk, um, you know, Colorado. Let's say you have Makar and then you grab like a Nishushkin and a Landeskog. Is three too many? No. No, it's not. Because it all depends on the players, dude. It all depends on the players. It is player specific. If it's three, if it's three really good players that you can have on a stack, riddle me this: Do you want to see Makar get a goal on the power play with Landis Cog and Nachushkin, and you have all three of the you have the the goal and both assists on a power play? Yeah. Oh my god! Like literally, that's like. My freaking wet dream. Real quick, like, real quick. I, I want to just cut this in here is uh, your roster size plays a big part in this. So if you have like, if you roster 22 people, it's going to be really tough not to have stacks. It's going to be really tough to purposefully 
draft people from different teams just to avoid this variance. And, you know, what Zach's talking about getting that triple stack hit, it might happen twice a year. It might happen 10 times a year, but uh, you don't know. But it is, it's fucking rad when it happens. It's cool. But I don't, li- I don't like three stacks, but <laughs> if it happens that way, I think I accidentally did it in the listener league. I have like Josh Morrissey, PLD, and, and maybe Mark Shifley. I, I forget the third piece, but I know I have PLD and, and Josh Morrissey. So it's, um, I might be handcuffing myself a little bit. And the only way to do that is to have the defenseman. Like you, I will say, you do not want to have three people on the same line. Even if it is like the perfection line or something like that, that is that's getting real risky, especially to have holdable players on your team that are always going to be there. That's why I'm a huge fan of stacking with pickups. You know what I mean? Streaming stacks that you might be able to get a stream on um, somebody who doesn't normally play on the first line. They're getting moved up, and you're seeing the uh, you're seeing the rushes in the morning. Boom! I'm gonna pick up, you know, Nachushkin because he he's getting moved to the top. Yeah, line. like Matthews and Bunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, eh, I wouldn't consider that a stack, though. I mean, that's what you're doing is picking up players who are playing that day. Yeah. If you're talking about a draft, really, all you're doing is narrowing down your choices. Well, you just have to guess. You just have to guess. It, it's more like so. As far as drafting goes, everybody that has Connor McDavid you should be going after Evander Kane. Well, what that does is limit your flexibility on your roster because those two players always play on the same night. So if you have two players, they're playing that night. That yeah, Your center that. and your left wing are used up for that night, for example. There's no bonus points for a stack goal versus a normal goal. But as a daily stream, absolutely. Because then what you're doing is you're picking up guys who are playing that night. But in terms of like drafting high-end stacks, if it turns out that way, great. But I would absolutely, in zero circumstance, draft a stack on purpose, other than fun. Like I would love to have Goudreau and Line A this year just for shits and giggles because I think it would be awesome. But strategically, I mean, unless you put in like, and I'm sure Fantrax has it because they have everything, but if you put in like a bonus for like a, stack points or something a double but, up yeah double or nothing but really it seems like it's worth more but then like today you've got two guys who are playing tomorrow you have two guys who aren't playing for sure i see that okay but some of these stacks don't have to be like this high level talent like take florida for instance you don't have to draft barkov and kachuk you can draft say barkov and then later on in the rounds pick up a carter verhage that's still a stack. He's most likely going to be on that top line. The way I do it, and it kind of goes to what Raj was saying, like in draft, I usually don't notice that I have a stack until the draft is over. Uh, I don't target it, and I don't avoid it. I'm just consistently going best oh, I player will. available. I, I feel like you're okay. reaching. Like, you know, if if you do wind up with a Barkov in round one to purposefully, you know, queue up, Reinhardt, I think you're you're handicapping yourself a little bit. Maybe you wind up reaching. Uh, I personally, I just if it winds up that way, fine. And uh, maybe I'll try and make a trade if I wind up having three. But uh, our rosters are pretty deep. I think we have um, 19 on our roster, so it's it's really not it's not a ton, but uh, it's it's a little close to comfort. Do you guys count goalies towards a stack? 
say you have like Hedman and Kucherov, right? Those were your first two round picks. And then somehow you get Vasilevsky. Uh, do you count that as a three stack? For me, goalies just, they're autonomous. They just, they don't count towards anything. Whole other world. Like I said, I'm, I'm on the same boat as you. Like if I end up with it because they're the best players available, great. But you are in in a way limiting if you're not careful you're limiting your options in the lineup but the goalie and the players i mean those are it's a different sport unless you want to do a goalie stack like a tandem stack if you can pick up two goalies at a at a value price later sure but yeah i guess i don't really i'm not really into tandems either me neither cuz then you're like you're tied to them right you don't want to drop them because then you're like Oh, well, and then you usually have to run three goalies, too. Yes. And you can only ever get one start out of one you of those goals. So there will always be one of those goalies on your bench. Always. And you you never want to drop them and free up a stream spot. So I, I don't know. I, I've I've turned on, on tandems. A couple of years ago, I was like, fuck yeah, go go out and get a Verlamov and, and Leonard uh, because that's going to be dope. But I've changed. I have changed. <laughs> Since changed. When the league was going that way, it, it definitely made sen- more sense a couple of years ago. But, and with COVID and this and that going on for the last couple of years, I think tandems made more sense before. Or roster size. Like if you got a massive roster and you're always going to have a shit ton of bench anyways, then maybe I'd, I'd consider that. The nice thing about a goalie's tandem is they can never conflict. So True. True enough. That's the only thing I see as a bonus, but... All right, I want to get into some of these unwritten rules. Um, just things that, you know, good ethics would dictate. Um, you know, you want to be a good person, right? Hopefully, some of us. Uh, name dropping in the draft. How do you guys feel about that? A lot of the drafts that we've been doing are slow drafts, so there's a lot of time in between picks. Let's say we're in the fifth round. Somebody goes and says, like, you know, maybe they're really far away from their next pick, and they're just like, wow, I'm surprised Connor Hellebuck didn't get picked up yet. And then, you know, before you know it, somebody just goes and gets Connor Hellebuck. How do you guys feel about name dropping? Don't care. <laughs> Personally, could care less. If that, if that influences people, then, I mean, it is what it is. But I'm not going to tell somebody they can't, you know, type someone's name. Uh, I think people... That name drop uh, shouldn't do it, but um, I don't know. Maybe I'll chirp you. I'll publicly shame you, but I'm not going to, I don't know. I'm not going to kick up a stink. Uh, saying goalie run, a lot of people don't really like that. You know, trying to influence uh, a lot of goalies getting taken or, you know, saying D run, people are, are not into that. Uh, let's get into the deep stuff here. Collusion. We had a perfect example of collusion back in like 2016 or something, uh, Richie traded Jaden Schwartz to Sean, uh, Jaden Schwartz and an eighth of weed to Sean for Duncan Keith when Duncan Keith was badass. And he had like just picked picked Jaden Schwartz up off the waiver wire and said, Hey man, like if if you do this trade, like I'll give you, I'll give you an eighth, right? Let me trade you this waiver wire pickup guy. Sean was just like, yeah, I like weed. And an eighth is like a decent amount, yeah. too. Like, that's the whole thing. It's not like it was just a gram. Like, it was a whole fucking eighth. Yeah, so stuff like that or... Um, not that I know the weights of stuff. It was shady, and that that was like our our first veto. It's, it wasn't cool. We had a problem we with did. it. We did, yeah. We had a problem with it. They didn't hide it. They, they were not smart. <laughs> 
I think it's a great story though, but that's bullshit. Like it's such a huge thing. Like the whole point of this is it's a fun thing. And when people start doing shit like that's slimy, it just ruins it for everybody. That's, you know, it's just, don't be a douche. Like, I don't know. If you're really in it to win it at that, at stuff like that, you're just a dick. And uh, yeah, it's, it's not as fun winning because you cheated. Yeah. But uh, some people, you know, money leagues, I, mean, I don't know about money that, leagues. But... They get, they get really like, there's people out there who are running two teams and are, are trading the best players to their main team and like, you know, making it look fair enough. And it's just like collusion comes in a lot of forms. Uh, you know, say a lot of us playing a lot of the same leagues together. Okay. I'll trade you this guy in this league. If you trade me this guy in that league, that counts as collusion. Don't do that. Um, vetoes. How do you guys feel about vetoes? If necessary, I don't have a problem with vetoes. I don't have a problem with a lot of this stuff as long as people aren't being like straight up dickish about it. But like when people just automatically think that their trades should get put through, if it is a trade that you can make an argument for why it is not fair, then okay. Then you you have your one vote. You have your one vote. That's what all this democracy bullshit is, right? You have your one vote on what you think is right or wrong. What do you say to the guys that say, you know, bad trades happen in the NHL? Nobody, you know, just let two consenting adults make a trade. I don't. I don't agree with uh, trade vetoes as uh, as a democracy thing. I think the commissioner has the right, and that should be it in my mind. But people have the right to bring it up. You know, if you ask both people, like, hey, look. Explain why you're making this trade. It seems a little unfair. And the the loser of the trade has a reason for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think I don't like it when everyone gets to vote on, on stuff. It doesn't work. It causes, you know, six, five votes. And now what? Now there's 11 people arguing. It's just, but I do like it. Yeah. The commissioner should have the right to just stop, especially if it's a someone who's new or if someone like hears about an injury that's not released yet or I don't know. I think they should be used incredibly sparingly, though. There are a few situations where I think vetoes are okay. It's, uh, you know, proven collusion. If if you, like, you know, you got an inkling and, and you can get around to prove it. I think rage quit. Like, if somebody's like, fuck this league, I'm trading all my best players to this guy. And then just logs off. I think those can be vetoed. And taking advantage of new GMs. I think is is a really important one too. So say you have somebody that just joined the league, it, maybe it's a keeper league or it's a dynasty league. They don't really have a lay of the land. They don't know the values and you just like bombard them with uh, trade requests and, and they're like, all right, well, this one seems fair. And it just, it turns out that they got absolutely fleeced and yeah, just don't do that. Don't do that as the person sending the trade. Don't take advantage of new GMs. Try and try and help them. I tried in this one league uh, with with Grizz and Tom and a bunch of the guys um, to because we were seeing a lot of new GMs. There was a lot of turnover year to year, and new GMs would come in and they would just trade all their best players away for for peanuts. And I was like, "Fuck, we really got to have like you, you got to have like two months where these guys just need to." understand the league before they can make a trade like a little probation period right so and the one guy he was like pretty green to to dynasty fantasy and came into a 32 team league and it was just like yeah i can i can do all this stuff and it really messed things up but yeah i, I think vetoes uh i don't i'm with raj on this one i don't think it's a good uh, you know say you don't like a 
trade because somebody else's team got better and you you want to veto it and like no it's not a butt hurt button it's it, it's it's got a reason like it's got a purpose it's for collusion it's mm-hmm. for shady shit uh don't be shady is the unwritten rule there and if the commissioner's shady well but i think it should only be yeah you're shit out of luck this one poor guy in our discord man jordan um i think that was his name jordan m it, it, like the commissioner's team is is pretty stacked and he's vetoing trades left and right and then whenever he makes a trade like he's like well no it's got to go through it's just like this shit league yep all right next unwritten rule just set your lineup do it just do it if you're gonna if you're gonna join set your lineup if you just want to draft do a mock draft if you want to play fantasy hockey, part of that is setting your lineup. So stay on top of your lineups, be active, and uh, have fun. Hey, I got—I don't know if it's on our list here, but along those lines, if you have someone who's super inactive like that and just not participating and it's just making it suck for everybody else, what's your procedure? Like mine, I usually like to, you know, I reach out to them privately. I don't do yep. the same as vetoes. I don't like people chirping in public that should be you and the commissioner and vice versa i like to email or text or whatever connection you have with the person and say look man like you're ruining this this for everybody it's making it less fun and what i've done in the past we call it the matt draft because two years in a row matt a guy matt rage quit the league so every january two years Mm. in a row we had the matt draft where in january we would just redraft all the players from Matt's team <laughs> because you damn yeah. my technique I guess would be like you know first obviously reach out and just be like hey man what's going on like do you need me to set your lineup for you for a couple weeks you got a lot going on what's up you want me to find a replacement and if you don't hear back then yeah you just as a commissioner uh in this hypothetical I would be the commissioner uh, or reach out to your commissioner and just be like hey can you you know manually set his lineup for the next couple weeks while we try and find a replacement that way there's no Bye weeks or anything for anybody that's quote unquote lucky enough to play him that week. So I think that's, that's the way I would do that. Mm. And if you can't find a replacement, then do a mat draft, I guess <laughs> you don't want to have to do and that. That's just so weird. Like being in an 11 team league. Yeah. And I should say, I got to qualify that. That's a, that was a, that was a, a roto league. So it wasn't a matchup thing. That's why that was possible. Cause that would fuck up uh, matchups. Makes sense. Uh, I think setting your lineup is is good tip going into the league too. I like to do it um, at the beginning of the week. I set my lineup for the whole week, and then I know where my vacancies are on what days and and what, at what position, and then I know what streamers I can pick up and and who I'm targeting on the waiver wire for the rest of the week. An unwritten rule for trades, and this one's just my personal preference. I don't know how you guys feel, but uh, talking to somebody that you plan to trade with first, if you you know, send him a DM, send him a text, talk to him in person, whatever. Like, just be like, hey, are you interested in this? Is there any chance we can get this moving? Or you could just cold, like, just shoot him an offer. And, you know, if it's declined and they don't respond to you, you never reached out in the first place. So they, they're not obligated to tell you, eh, I don't really like this. Or, hey, do you think we could, like, counter it or whatever? Like, if they just deny you and don't talk to you, like, don't get incensed because, you cold called them to start, so they're just cold calling you back. And I don't know. I think I wanted to add this in here as just like etiquette for trades. Personally, I like to, if somebody goes out there and they're like, this guy's on the block, this is what I'm looking for, then yeah, you just send them a trade offer. But if it's 
somebody you're interested in, I like to get in there and, and start negotiations before sending a trade offer. I'm actually all for contacting somebody ahead of time. <laughs> like, uh, like 100% for it. Come on. See, that seems unnecessary. There's nothing wrong with texting Raj and saying, hey, Raj, it looks like, you know, you're short on goalie. Like, you need a goalie, man. You and I both know that you do. Let's make something happen. I'm interested in this person. And Raj would say, no, you're not getting that person. And then, you know, then the dance begins. Yeah, yeah. it gets you closer to a trade before sending a trade request and knowing, like, how they value. And also, those trade requests, everybody sees those. Yeah. You know? You don't want to be just throwing out a whole bunch of trade requests willy-nilly, and it'll make you look like a dick. If you're just out there sending stupid trade requests, then when that person tries to trade something to me, it's just, you know, it's like, no. Well, the best trades are when, you know, somebody approaches you like Zach, like, hey, you know, I noticed your team is weak here. Let's make something work. That's the best way to get a trade to go. But, um, you know... All I was saying was if somebody sends me a trade request and, you know, doesn't reach out first and I deny it and then they, you know, DM me and be like, what, you're not going to counter or what? You, you you know, this, that and the other thing. Like, no, dude, like you didn't contact me either. I'm not like justifying why I'm denying this trade or declining this trade. And like, you know, it's just it's it's a two way street there. Yeah. Don't be sending out all kinds of bullshit trade requests hoping somebody gets one but like i don't want to talk to every other gm in the league and have 12 conversations going i'd rather someone just sends me a request but i'm not opposed either way but the one thing i am absolutely opposed to is ignoring offers oh yeah if someone makes you an offer say (laughs) no or say yes or counter or send a message and start the conversation going no that sucked but but yeah. if you just leave it hanging there, it's same as not setting your lineups. It's just holding up everybody, right? So I accidentally just did that to Chud the other week. He wanted to sell me like Nylander for I forget who, but uh, yeah, I, I just I honestly forgot. Like I, I was busy, and he DM'd me, and he was like, "Hey man, like I just sent you something," and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll look at it." And then it, like four days later, he's like, "So about that trade?" And I'm like, "Fuck, sorry, man." Anyway, um, okay, so this goes back to the playoffs, and and I think there's two schools of thought here. Like, so some people don't like teams that are out of the playoffs making moves on the waiver wire, and it makes sense. And I think there is a place for it, and I think it's in those leagues where the group of GMs does not stay together year over year. If you're in like a Yahoo Public, or you just joined one randomly with a bunch of people that you don't plan on playing next year. Yes, I think in those instances you lock the pl- out of playoff teams, and they, you know, they're not muddying the water, uh, you know, dropping all their players and making controversy for the rest of the team. And you know, who's going to get Mark Shifley with their highest waiver order and win the league because some guy rage quit? But I think otherwise, you should incentivize the playoffs and and give first overall to whoever wins the loser bracket because everybody staying active is important. And I think if somebody knows. Going into the playoffs, if they're out of the playoffs, that they're not going to be allowed to play anymore, they're just going to log off even sooner. And then you wind up having somebody, you know, flatlined through the last four weeks of the league and just handing out free wins to everybody. So it's a tough, it's a fine line to cross. Uh, What do you guys think? I think this is this is why people hate being commissioner. It's got to come down to the commissioner managing things 
And if some, if it, that to me is collusion, right? Like even if it's one person colluding to fuck the league up by like, oh yeah, I'm going to drop Connor McDavid because I'm out of the playoffs. Now there's a waiver wire Connor McDavid, you know? Yeah. That's just, that's, if something like that happens, that to me is as a commissioner, you need to step in and say, I don't care if you picked up Connor McDavid off the waiver wire, that's a bullshit drop and you yep. have to reverse it. Mulligan. To go way back to what uh, could be lesson number one of the whole thing, before the league starts, communicate all this kind of stuff. Like, look, mm. you know, talk about if you're a dick, you're never allowed playing with us again. If you know, but you got you have to make sure everyone understands the rules. And I think that's really important if you're running a league. Have a preseason like. Chat oh, wow. pretty, yeah. pretty well, seriously. Locker room sure, chat. Right? Preseason yeah. drink fest. I think it's also it's one of the most beneficial things you can do as a player, too. Like not even just as a GM, is just understanding all your league's rules, the scoring. That is, to be honest, that's the way the easiest way to to succeed. That's also why some of the best <laughs> leagues or the most fun leagues are ones where you're all actually like, you know, a bunch of you are drafting together. Yeah. You know, you're all you're all, you know, schmeagled out around your own computer and your little draft <laughs> list that you got written up. You know what I mean? Uh, but you're all like, you know, yelling at each other from across the table or, you know, from a different room and stuff. And th- those are just a lot of fun. Everybody's <laughs> hanging out, drinking and, you know, everybody's in their own little area. You know what? The what? And I got to give you guys credit from even before. I came into your lives. Um, you guys had set up such a cool community on our Discord. There's so much communication between so many people. Like, you can't really be a dick if you're like one of those, what, 15, 60, I don't even know how many, 1,800 people now. But Close. like, if you're any of those people and you're a douche, it's going to get around to everyone who plays fantasy hockey. So, like, it doesn't pay. But We're even if it's. Out. Try to, I th- I'd suggest that, right? Like, try to set up something like that for your own league where it's just, you know, there is some kind of communication going on. Yeah, league chat, Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, Discord, Slack, whatever you're using. And that's going to tie right into the next segment here is resources. Line combinations, very important. Top-line players score more points than second-line players who score more points than third-line players who score more points than bottom-line players. So you want to know who's on the top line, you go to Daily Faceoff, you go to Left Wing Lock, check out FHFH Lines. Uh, I'm going to be testing it as soon as we get some lines, but hopefully it works. Uh, Game Day Lines, the guys over at Keeping Carlson have made one there uh, on Twitter. Injury news. Uh, we love Puckpedia for injuries. Uh, you, Daily Faceoff has them, Left Wing Lock has them, but I think Puckpedia is great. They have uh, projected return dates. You can sort by team. You can look at all the new... That one... To me, Puckpedia is, and Cap Friendly has one too, but I, I, you know, I just lean Puckpedia. Uh, really great one. Goalie starts. Um, again, the Keeping Carlson guys have this great uh, project where they're uh, manually tweeting goalie starts over at Game Day Goalies on Twitter. Daily Faceoff has them. Left Wing Lock has them. Uh, goalie post on Twitter. Yeah, you're, you're going to find them. That's great. So long as the teams actually start fucking putting that information out again. I hate those. Yeah. There was always certain teams. Oh, it's like 659. Yeah. Jerks. Yeah. It was like the Islanders. It was Barry Trotz. I think fucking Gerard Gallant was one when he was in Vegas. But yeah. That's, that's the one time it is good to get a, 
tandem. Player evaluation. This one's tough. You're going to have to form your own method of doing this. But if you're looking for like trade evaluation, there's an app called Fleeced. That's really good. It has a basic trade evaluator. I think um, Frozen Tools has one. You just like plug in your scoring. The player is getting traded. It shows you who's winning. Uh, in our Discord, we have polls that everybody's voting on for trades and stuff like that. You can reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, you can reach out to a number of other a number of other fantasy hockey podcasts out there. You know, Apples and Genos is doing it. Fantasy Hockey Trades on Twitter is doing it. Keep Carlson. Uh, a lot of dudes out there happy to just engage with the public. So always reach out. Tools, uh, man, there are a ton of them. Dabra Hockey, Frozen Tools. Eric Doust over there has built a fantastic just suite of sources and um tools and shit I feel like it's all in, it's all inclusive too like it's a one-stop shop almost. it is yeah it's a, it's a great place to go so familiarize yourself with dauber hockey and frozen tools there's articles going over like sustainability this that and the other thing like anything you could possibly want from fantasy hockey dauber's doing it so good work on going on over there uh you're gonna want natural stat trick hockey reference uh, find yourself a bunch of stat pages that, that you like those are the two that i find myself going to the most all of those are awesome but don't forget to like really learn your platform true yeah right like because uh we've been using fan tracks way more in the over the last couple of years getting more and more into that they've got some pretty good stats um if you're in a yahoo league which i do i think yahoo's probably simpler and a better app and stuff and easier for beginners. They have some really, they've added a crap load of stats and stuff. Like they're calling it advanced stats. It's not necessarily the most advanced stats, but they do. It's like shooting percentage. Yeah. But they, they do have a lot more than they used to. Uh, I noticed that um, I'm in one Yahoo league this year and they have improved that end of things. Hmm. Um, so just, just know whatever plat, or if you're an ESPN or whatever, but learn how to use your actual platform too, because yeah, dick around there's tools there. I want to toot TJ's horn mine. Yes. Because he's a uh, way too humble and is building some sweet tools, um, that people are going to find out trying. Oh, trying. It looks awesome. And it's almost done. You're attractive and you're smart and you're very good at <laughs> making tools. <laughs> <laughs> fhfhockey.com is public but it's ugly so don't judge me yet but if you want to go dick around feel free so so far all we have are like fantasy player cards and they're still a little buggy yeah if you want if you want to see it it's still in beta right now but uh we're hoping it'll be out soon enough draft kits uh there are a ton of them out there fresh sheets from rice albrecht or reese albrecht on uh on twitter you guys will see him you know, there he's in our Discord. He's sharing all his stuff. Comes preloaded with projections. You put in your league scoring and everything, and uh, it hits you up with like player rankings and stuff. The FHP draft tool, I think, is perfect. And uh, our guy uh, Jeff in the Discord, FH89, has uh, loaded a bunch of projections in there. And, uh, you know, you're going to find that in the resources channel. You know, Reddit's got a few floating around, uh, but uh, Reese hit us up with like a little audio clip here about Fresh Sheets, so check it out. Every fantasy hockey league is different. Points or categories? Head-to-head or roto? Strictly points or all the banger categories? Your unique mix of scoring and roster settings means that you need something more than the standard rankings and projections that are out there in the wild. 
Fresh Sheets is the easiest way to get your custom fantasy hockey rankings and auction values based on your league's unique settings. And it's free. Enter your league and roster settings, keepers, sort the sheet, and you're done. You've got your rank list ready to go. To get your own copy, go to getfreshsheets.com. Click make a copy to get started today. Projections. Scott Cullen's got some good ones. Uh, Dom Lashijan has some. Steve Laidlaw. There's uh, you know, there's some paid ones out there. There's some free ones out there. Ours are over on hashtag hockey. Check them out, but be gentle. It's my first time doing them. Uh, other resources, podcasts, like you guys are already listening to ours, so obviously you're listening here. Keeping Carlson, Apples and Genos, KK has some midweek episodes with Ben and Lewis going by the name of short shifts. They're going to show up in your feed. If you subscribe to keeping Carlson uh, fantasy hockey life, if you're in a dynasty niche, they cover that very well. Fantasy on ice exists, but I, we don't recommend it. No, God, please. No, 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 no. I, I, I know. I just, I think that their analysis is it's all hindsight (laughs) you know it's yeah it's clickbait sorry sorry pete not sorry uh but there's like fantasy hockey hacks i was just on one of their shows uh last week fantasy hockey bros the daily fantasy or daily face-off fantasy pod locked on like there's a ton there's some good ones on youtube like data draft fantasy tipped uh fantasy puck you know even though data drafts like dog shit on kevin fiala i'm still gonna give you a Still going to give you the benefit of the doubt, like fantasy puck, you know, fantasy tip to all those good ones, like support the ones you like by leaving reviews. Like we're making content for free and stuff. Like if, if we're helping you and you enjoy it, the best way for you to help us back is by leaving a review. So if any of these content creators are helping, that's how you say thank you. It's just in positive reviews because you know, the people who don't like that shit or, you know, the guys that, that watch one episode and they're like, this isn't for me. They're leaving a negative review. So we got to, we got to balance that shit out for everybody. Yeah. And I would suggest too, like try to support people, different shows and different resources have, uh, Patreons or, or whatever. If you really like a show, most people are asking for like nothing, right? Two bucks, five bucks, whatever. But you know, a lot of people put in a lot of effort, um, for free basically. Right. So it's, it's really it makes even two bucks makes you feel good. It makes it feel like it's worthwhile. But the one thing I'm not sure we, we've sort of danced around and maybe you're going to bring it up and I'm interrupting, but, um, discord. Like oh the, shit. Yeah. 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 There's a few different good discords. We've got 1800 or 1600 or something. And, uh, Nate's got one at apples and Geno's and that way you get to, you know, you get to get opinions from a whole bunch of different people and actually, get some real feedback from pros, non-pros, all kinds of different people. And, and, and yeah, it's, it's, that's great. And they're usually free as well. If there's any other resources that uh, you're curious about, hit us up on Twitter. We're at FHF Hockey. There's a resource for you. I want to get into like the, the last bit, which is matchup preparation and uh, streaming. So the first step for me, just set your lineup for the week. I talked about it earlier. You You know where your vacancies and your weaknesses are both at position and which days any rebuttal there yeah i I think that's pretty easy some people have the thing of like i don't want to reveal my lineup that's actually yeah that's that's a veteran strategy set your lineup for the whole week speaking out of the vets uh set your lineup for the whole week make a little mental note where your vacancies are and then unset your lineup 
because in Yahoo and, and in Fantrax, it like shows your opponent uh, how many like minutes you have or uh, how many how many games, games you have. And, yeah. and if you keep that behind a curtain, <laughs> they think that they're in the lead. But then you just keep stacking games played, and they're like, "What the hell is happening?" And it's like snowballing on them. I love that shit. And, it, yeah. and maybe it doesn't happen, but in my mind. Like I'm <laughs> playing psychologically, like it's a psyop here. Like I'm, yeah. I'm just having fun. Uh, evaluating your opponent. This one is more so in categories leagues, points leagues. Like really, you can just hope for the best. Like the schedule can be your ally, but you pretty much what you want to do is just beat them by volume of games played. You want to stack games, and the same thing goes for for categories. But there's a little nuance there that like you can see. Okay, he's got Stamkos and Matthews and Kyle Connor or whatever. Like he's going to destroy me in goals, so I'm just going to fade goals this week, and you know stack up on categories that he's he or she is uh, weak in, and then that's that's how you dominate those types of players. Like it, it could be a really intimidating roster, but I think if you evaluate your opponent and their strengths and weaknesses, you can better set yourself up for for success. I think it could lead you to you know if if you're down. You know, you're down 50 hits and there's two days left. Don't try to win hits because you're not going to, right? You know, so you can, that's where category punting can, can really come into play. Like pay attention if you're close or if you're way ahead in, in a certain category, there, there's times when you actually in a categories league, sometimes it can actually make more sense to bench Connor McDavid and put in Radko Gudis or something, you know, like something crazy Mm -hmm. like that. If you need one hit, but you're already leading by you know, 10 goals and 25 assists and you don't need any more, put in the right players. And that's that's the really interesting thing about categories leagues is it's not just get as many points as you can. That's why the five-hole listener leagues are the best, man. We are doing categories leagues next year. So anybody that wants to get in on uh, that, and I'm going to start talking about it already. But if you truly want to find out if you're the best fantasy hockey player in the world, like we do points one year, categories the next year, come find out. Come on. Come on. I'll take you. All right. Exploiting the schedule, um, understanding the importance of off nights. Um, it is off nights is defined by less than half of the league is playing that night. So you don't run into bench problems. Like you'll find on, on Saturdays, like you're like, shit, I have a full lineup and I still have really good guys on the bench. When you target off nights, whether it be in the draft, which I don't really it doesn't sway me one way or another. I might pick up like John Gibson for his off nights because Anaheim always leads as a third goalie. But other than that, like, you know, you, you've already set your lineup for the week. You know what days you have open. And with that, you can go places like uh, zero games above replacement, daily faceoff, uh, FHFhockey.com. We have a game grid there. I built that one. That one's actually done for the most part. Um, there are two things that I need to do to it yet. I need to make it mobile friendly and I need to get it. So the grid loads all at once. And then the Python script behind it, that does the, the win loss odds, uh, that runs on its own. So, uh, just wait a minute. It's not broken. Just wait. Uh, it just needs a minute to load. Python is slow. Uh, but anyway, with that, you can find out what teams play on what days where your vacancies are and then pick up players for those days. From there, you cross-reference those vacancies with teams on those, and then you pick up a player that you feel has the best opportunity. If it's in a points league, you want offense. If it's cast league, you chase whatever categories you feel you need to get an extra boost. 
Okay, last couple things here. Uh, roster maximization. So we're going to talk about streaming. We've been talking about it a lot here, you know, picking guys up, playing them for one or two nights, and then dropping them back out. Uh, but, Zach, you're kind of, uh, you love this shit, picking guys up and just cutting bait. Um, I want to get your read on, like, when do you pick a guy up? Is it just because he's playing on a night that you have a vacancy, or do you have a method by which you determine which guy's the best? I'm I'm a hundred percent all in on these off night things. I am a hundred percent all in. I try when you when you say roster maximization, that's the first thing I think of. I am trying to get as many games possible in my lineup. So if that means picking up a guy that, you know, in all honesty, probably isn't as good of a player, but he plays Five games this week where this other guy that I'm thinking about, you know, he only plays two games and maybe he doesn't play until starting on Thursday. You know what I mean? He is a Thursday, Sunday. Well, you're not really helping me. And maybe I'm already, you know, I'm already full up on Thursday and Sunday. That's why you have to look ahead at the games that you have and where you're going to have openings. Because if you pick up a right winger, but you already have all your right wingers, well, then where are you going to put them? Yeah. You know, and then you're literally picking up a player just so you can put a player that's already playing a game on the bench. That doesn't make sense. I want people on the bench to not be playing games. Got to add games. Yeah. Not replace. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a big thing, right? Like, if just because someone's playing, not to shit on your example, but just for example, like, if someone's got five games this week, make sure you can actually use those five games. True, yeah. Some, sometimes you're like, oh, this guy's got four games this week. Yeah, but they're on all heavy nights. So it's, it is a total combination of off nights and games played, but, like, actual games played. There's a new stat, usable games played is what you could call it, right? Like... <laughs> Yeah. But uh, that's is that's really I've, I, I've gotten burned on that. Where you get all excited, oh somebody dropped this guy or this guy's hot, and then you put him in, and you're like, oh, but that means I have to bench fucking JT Miller all week in order to use this guy who's streaking right now. So yeah, that's a big one. And when we say set your lineup for the whole week, like Yahoo has a button that will do it for you. Fantrax has a button that'll do it for you. So it's not like you need to go manually, you know, through every single day make those decisions. Like you can. You can edit what Yahoo and Fantrax do for you, but it's a lot easier than going through and doing it all yourself. So with that, you know what days and what positions you can you can stream somebody in. All right, let's talk about cutting bait with somebody. You know, let's call it, I'm trying to think of like the middling example. Let's say Oliver Bjorkstrand, somebody that, you know, has pedigree, has a ceiling that we're all in the fantasy hockey community like pretty excited about, but he starts off the season one point in 10 games right like do you cut bait there yes yes i w yes. with him specifically i would have cut after three games of not scoring mm. but i i do think there is like a a sliding scale d d like depending on what the like the level of player like if it's man jeff petrie last year like and Carter Hart the year before that, like people, myself included, were holding out hope just because that ceiling was there. And there's a lot of draft capital put into these guys that it's hard to cut bait. Uh, but when when something's not working, and not only that, you, you find yourself benching other players in favor of this guy that's not working, then it's really detrimental to your team. 
but I think it's just an importance of you find somebody that consistently on your bench on heavy nights. That to me is like a red flag. This is my streamer. That's the guy I can cut bait with. Like I'm not playing with him. What am I holding him on? What am I holding on to him for? You know, like sometimes he, he plays on an off night. Sure. Fine. But finding somebody that's better suited for, for you versus that name. I want to throw out one example, which is the most brutal example. And it was Elias Pedersen last year. Did you drop the guy who is at half a point a game for like 30 games? Yeah. A lot of people did. I know. And then he went over a point per game, <laughs> the highest point pace of his career. All of a sudden that was just impossible, but that's what keeps you coming back. And that's what keeps you from not dropping players that maybe you rightfully should, because there's always that voice in the back of your mind that says, well, if I drop him, fucking TJ's going to pick him up. I fucking know he is. TJ's definitely going to pick him up. So like, I can't drop him. I have to hold him. Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody probably thinks this. So you have this player and you know if you drop him, you don't want him and he's pissing you off and you know you're keep on benching him, but if you drop him, he's going to get picked up in a second. And then he's going to start doing good because that's how it fucking works. And that's where this buzzword sustainability comes up is um you know, is there downplay is that sustainable is that like is that who they are now what reasons are there for that and um so in season our episodes will be you know we have a week preview that will drop on sunday or monday and then we have a show called tuesday trends where we dig into all the sustainability stats we do a buy low sell high segment um based on those sustainability stats in the first couple weeks it's there's not going to be any trends to Tuesday, right? We're just going to, we can't talk about anything because it's all like three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 games. And it's, it's hard to get a sense of anything in 10 games. So those first episodes, I'm going to take it upon myself to try and explain advanced stats. And, you know, maybe I'll ride solo on this one or whatever, but I just want to put out like an advanced stat primer of stuff that we're going to be using IPP shooting percentage on ice shooting percentage, yada, yada, yada. And those are things that, that you'll come to understand over time uh, where you can see if somebody's you know playing above their weight class or underperforming or if this is just a new standard they're, they're setting for themselves, whether it be too good or too low or whatever. And then that is going to play into how you're going to cut bait and how you're going to determine if somebody's deployment or performance has just changed for the worse. And it's, it's more of a permanent thing. So we'll get there. And we're not going to do all that now. That's a whole episode in its in itself. I would just add to like do a little non statistical digging and see if there's a reason why this is going on. Like especially if people are slumping, you know. Like last year, Brock Besser's dad was super sick, and he's super tight with his dad. Yeah, and he, you're not finding that just, on Hockey Reference, you know. He was just distracted, and you know, especially as a. a a not a fan, you wouldn't really know that because they were not promoting, oh, Brock Besser's dad is so sick and he loves him and that sucks. But, you know, knowing that, you're like, fuck, man, it's that's not going to pass. And it's not who he's playing with. It's not this, it's not that. Like, that's going, he's going to be down for a while. So see if there is a reason like that or something non-hockey that, and then you're like, oh, well, 
he's got this little half-ass nagging injury or this personal thing going on, and when that passes, they should be their old selves. Or just watch a game, you know, do a little, uh, do a little digging that way, the old-fashioned way. Watch yeah. it. Use your eyes. Eye test. All right, that's it for the crash course. Um, as always, if there's anything we missed, you guys can hit us up on Twitter at FHF Hockey. We're always happy to give our opinion on that kind of stuff. DMs are open, all that jazz. So hit us up there. Join the Fantasy Hockey Discord if you want more. And uh, like I said, you know, leave a review if you guys are digging it. Uh, always fun to read. Um, love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Love you.